Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter, episode 103, I think. My name is Richard Bliss. At this point, we've got a lot of episodes going. You are listening to uh, Funding the Dream. You already knew that. Uh, I want to thank uh, a lot of our sponsors out there, particularly right now, City Hall from Michael Keller's uh, Visible Hand Games. It's out on Kickstarter. If you get a chance, go out and support that. He was uh, Michael was a, gr- a generous benefactor for this podcast and the Kickstarter projects we've done in the past, and we're trying to send some of that love back his way. So get a, if you get a chance, take a look at City Hall, which is probably most of you are going to be too late, but at least you can show some support and some love there. My guest today is uh, in the Get Board Game space, uh, and at one time was the reigning champion for the most funded board game project on Kickstarter. I'm joined by Torben Sherwood with Valley Games. Torben, thanks for joining me on the call. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Well, this is kind of fun. Uh, I got to meet you, uh, the World Board Game Championships here this past uh, summer, and I got introduced to Valley Games, I think like a lot of people did, with the D-Day Dice Project, which is what you guys did. But you guys, Valley Games has actually been around for quite a while, hasn't it? Yes. Uh, 2006 was our inaugural uh, production in uh Die Macher, the German reprint from uh, Karlsheinz Schmiel, which was, oddly enough, the first game ever reviewed on Board Game Geek or posted on Board Game Geek. So The original game was actually the first game ever, really? Right. It was the number one game, number one ever to be posted on Board Game Geek. And you, you guys were able to secure the rights and reprint that? Yeah, it was uh, one of those curious processes where a lot of people talking about it, and at the time, Rick and I were just uh, board game, or we were just uh, game store owners, and at that point, we thought, well, what a wonderful opportunity to be able to try something like that, and uh, it, it was amazing. It worked out really well um, for us to be able to to do something, bring something back to the community that folks had uh, long desired and was not available, and uh, kind of set us on a, a path that, I guess, to this day, we're we're both thankful and uh, curious about more options in the future. So, so if the very first game that uh, Valley Games did was a reprint, you kind of followed that theme. Then, from, from what you were explaining to me, and I didn't realize it, you've actually done several reprints, right? Right. This uh, th- that was sort of our initial business plan was to bring things back that um, were were unavailable or lost in the the uh, in time that people never thought it would come to fruition again. Um, that and some things that may not have been available just based on the language barrier and, and Demacher was that title. It was only in German and we brought it out and we thought we'll do it in six different languages. And, uh, from that perspective, then it sort of led us down the other path of looking for great titles that had once, uh, been on game tables and never seen the light of day. So let's just to bring our listeners up to speed. Mo- uh, most of our listeners are gamers, uh, but what were some of those titles that people might recognize? Uh, we managed to do Hannibal, Rome versus Carthage, uh, Titan, which was a really big, uh, big production, and Republic of Rome, to, to mention the reprints. And then things like German reprints, we did um, Bargain Hunter, which was a reprint of a German-only game called Ein Schulches Ding, done by... Uh, Uwe Rosenberg, so a very popular name there. 
Well, that, that, that's interesting because then with uh, because you're known now really uh, for D-Day Dice, right? Which was not a reprint. No, that was uh, a surprise for us as well. Um, we had actually we had been a part of the Canadian board game or what is it called Canadian Game Design of the Year Award in Canada, and D-Day Dice was entered as a contestant. Um, the winner was Octopus Garden, which we signed and produced. But the second place was D-Day Dice, and we thought it had a lot of legs and thought we would give it a try. Uh, and yet, I mean, at that time, we were looking for funding options, and so we'd seen other projects done on Kickstarter. So we, that was our first foray into that. Uh, thankfully, it worked out really well. So let me ask a question because some of our listeners might not be aware, uh, but they might be picking it up because of uh, your pronunciation of the word about. Uh, <laughs> you're not a U.S.-based company, are you? No, we are in fact Canadian, and okay. that does uh, not that there's that, anything that, wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, <laughs> I have a lot of friends who are Canadian. We don't say a as much as people think. Okay, um, but D Day Die. So let's talk about that because listeners are going to be intrigued. Because as a Canadian, you can't you can't do Kickstarter uh, as a Canadian entity. Yeah, we found that out in a hurry. Well, did uh, you, no, I think you told me you found it out. At, almost after the fact, right? Right. We had actually posted the um, project to uh, Kickstarter, and everything was all approved, and it was all ready to go. Um, but then once we got to the back end of the payment processing stuff, uh, you actually had to be a U.S. citizen and have a U.S. company. Um, and at that point, we didn't have that, so we couldn't actually keep going. And when was that? That was, uh, I think you said, sometime last year in 2011? 2011, yeah, we actually started that process in May of last year. And then, uh, and so then, so how'd you get around that? I think I know because I've had similar circumstances. How'd you get around that? Well, we actually um, went into a partnership with uh, an American who had a company uh, that he then um, fired up again. He actually had it uh, as something that he would use occasionally. And what we did is we, we then decided well, he would help us fund the project through his American company and um, that thus enabling us to fulfill the back-end payment processing so that we could get the Kickstarter project up online. Yep, and, I've, I, and that's what I suspected because I have done the exact same thing. Uh, I've ran three of my own successful Kickstarter projects, but I have run several – run's not the right word. I have funded – that's not the right word either. I don't. Um, I have provided exactly what your partner did. I have. I have some Canadian uh, friends and some UK friends who wanted to do Kickstarter projects. I acted as their inter- intermediary, provided the account, the U.S. citizenship. The funds then flowed through me, and then I was able to pass the funds on to them. So it sounds like you did the exact same thing that I've done for several other people. You, you bet. Yeah, that Kickstarter had had the track record of um, already doing a lot of these things. It was kind of like the brand name. Yep. So go with a, a lesser entity um, or something that's not as well known, which was available to Canadians and I'm sure other countries as well. It just, we thought well, we really need to make the biggest impact and that was on Kickstarter. Well, so. you made a big impact. Uh, now let's talk about that. Not necessarily that impact, but there's a lot of scuttlebutt going on right now about Valley games. Uh, and I, and I hate to put you on the spot, but I do need to ask you, uh, there's a lot of rumors that there's a lawsuit against Valley Games. Yes, there, there currently is. 
Um, but it's being handled by legal folks. And so unfortunately I, I can't say a lot about it, Okay, but um, I can't confirm. You so. can't confirm. Well, that's fair enough. The reason I'm asking is because you currently have a popular Kickstarter project going right now. It is a reprint, a reprint of a very popular game up front, a World War II card game uh, that is a perennial favorite at the World Board Game Championships. Uh, it's been around for years, and uh, that is a, a title that you currently have on Kickstarter. Let me ask, uh, this lawsuit, which you can't comment on, is that, does that have any impact or anything to do with this upfront uh, Kickstarter campaign? No, none whatsoever. Okay. So, Kickstarter, the totally unrelated. Yeah, they're they're completely unrelated. Um, Valley Games is a completely separate entity from this environment, and this lawsuit has nothing to do with Upfront or the production of Upfront. Perfect. So, all right, yeah, okay, that's good to know. I I apologize for uh, having to ask that kind of an awkward question. Uh, that's okay. You know, I imagine you've got uh, quite a few of them. I know that there's been a lot of uh, a bit of a firestorm out there talking about this. Uh, so let's talk about upfront and kind of what's going on here. Oh, you know what? I have another clarification question. So this entity that you formed a partnership with for D-Day Dice to get it into the U.S. right after D-Day Dice to get into the U.S. What's that company called? Uh, it's called Radiant Dark Star Productions. So, um, so is Valley Games? Kind of help help us understand. So Radiant Dark Star Productions is the U.S. company you have used because of Kickstarter requirements that you have a U.S. presence. Right. But the Valley Games, if I understand, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna see if I can answer the question here so I can help understand this. The Valley Games, then that's the known brand, and so uh, upfront is coming from Valley Games, but it's being delivered in the U.S. through Radiant. Is that right? Um, it, in this situation, we're probably going to try and introduce the new company as Radiant Gaming. Um, which we've just recently launched on BGG uh, website to follow, of course. But um, in that case, in, with D-Day Dice, what we needed to do was we needed to reach um, everybody, including mass market, with uh, a, a recognized brand. And Valley Games, having the the reputation for quality productions in the past, we, we wanted to bring it out under something like that. Um, so that it wasn't introduced as a new company coming out of nowhere. Um, people recognize Valley Games, uh, mass market, and in the hobby. So brand recognition goes a long way for us, and I think perhaps the majority of the success that it received was based on the fact that we were doing it. I, I would agree with that. Uh, you had me under a non-disclosure uh, a while back. I was aware of the uh, the upfront, and I think that the Valley game name associated with the success of D-Day Dice and the history you have with reprinting, I think, is still a lot of confidence in people uh, once you had that. Okay, let's just talk, let's talk then about uh, upfront because um, this is a project that, for those those who don't know, tell us a little bit about what's going on with upfront and kind of the project itself because you're you're you've actually surpassed your funding goal, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. We we were very fortunate to pass that. I believe uh, late Saturday night. So after we, yeah. okay. So it's it's doing very well. It's doing very well. We're we're very happy with how it's proceeding, um, and and I mean rightfully so. That this is going to be a fantastic revisal of this this game uh, revival because the fact that Courtney Allen is now working with. Um, a couple of great people in, 
Alan Arvold, who is a, a, just a fanatical historian on all of these things. He's brought to, to us so many different things, and he's working on the rules alongside of uh, Andrew Malley. And Andrew Malley, uh, he was on the WBC Board of Directors for a while. He plays up front there on a regular basis. And any of the locals that I spoke to while I was in Texas that actually have played with Andrew, they said this guy is foremost one of the best guys involved with the rules. We've got guys like Todd Bannister, who has created a, a, a massive amounts of rules and, and consolidated so many different things from errata to expansions and whatnot. And I mean, I'm leaving out a bunch of names that I just can't remember the top of my head, but they're fantastic. And the crew that we have involved in bringing this production, um, it, it's outstanding. And I think anybody that appreciates uh, a quality game, especially that title, this we will be doing it justice like none other. Um, and it's because of those guys helping us. So, you know, I've been asked about the theme because this is a World War II squad level theme game, card game, right? Yes. Uh, and, you know, D Day Dice, World War II, your, uh, what was it called? Pocket Airborne? Airborne in your pocket, yes. Airborne in your pocket. That did well, didn't it? It did, yes. Uh, I've had people ask me about World War II themed on Kickstarter and the board game genre. And every example I'm pointing to appears that there is a demand or high interest for this themed of a game. Would you agree with that? I, it seems to be. Um, I, I would agree to be surprised, especially when D-Day Days came out and did as well as it did. Um, but you know, there's, there's more and more people I think that are becoming aware of where we are now and what, you know, past generations did for us to give us the, the freedom that we have. And since we are all experiencing things like desert storm and all the other, uh, issues that are going on in the Middle East, it's making us more and more aware of how fortunate we are and that the history of it is actually very interesting. Um, and most of these games thematically are very correct in how they're implemented in, in game design and mechanic. And it's intriguing, even for those who didn't think previously they were a war gamer, they sit down and play a game like Dita Dice. It's thematically accurate. The mechanic itself doesn't seem overly complicated. And yet the whole aspect of it was what people had to deal with. I have three copies of D-Day Dice. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're we welcome. Really and I, I actually love it. Uh, playing, I played solitaire. Uh, we at World Board Game Championships uh, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Uh, four of us sat down and played as a four-man team. It is a semi-cooperative game. Well, I guess it's not even semi. It is a cooperative game. Uh, it's you against the opponent, the system, right. and uh, it's got some unique mechanics to it. It's quite enjoyable. So along comes up front. How long have you guys been looking at Upfront? We originally started talking to Courtney when we were looking for as many designs as possible from the past, uh, way back in 2006. And so from that point on, uh, or at that point, uh, he had not finalized the, the rights to the game um, as far as all the legitimacy between whoever owned it and whoever thought they owned it. And so it wasn't until recently that... Um, Courtney brought us on board and uh, got us working on creating this this final game, this reprint. 
Interesting. Okay. Wow. So, so it's been it's been a while in the coming, um, and now and now here it is. It uh, we haven't talked about the artwork a little bit. Um, are you are you planning on doing a fairly extensive rework of the artwork? We've engaged Ron Volstad, who uh, did a lot of artwork for the Osprey books, and uh, his sketches. We've already posted some of those, but his uh, his artwork is a, is a perfect fit for this game. Uh, he's done a lot of World War II stuff and in the past, and people recognize his name immediately once we posted it. So we're really excited to be working with him and creating all of this, the uh, the artwork for the game. And uh, we're pretty sure it'll be well received. I imagine it will. Uh, as a fan of the Osprey books, I, I, I can't believe that it, it won't be. You get a lot of moving pieces on this project. Uh, I'm I'm a backer. I've reached out to a lot of my friends who are upfront fans. They've started to back it. I, you know, we're really looking forward to this coming out. But there are a lot of moving pieces. If I understand right, so um, on a personal level, you are a stay-at-home dad. Is that correct? Correct. So you've got uh, kids, you stay at home, and uh, not a whole lot of money. i got to ask you because everybody knows there's not a whole lot of money in the board game space, Torben. What were you thinking? Well, what were you thinking? Well, we certainly don't have you know offices and, and company cars and those kind of things for sure. But no, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, there's uh, costs around raising your kids and you know, working full time, it's uh, it's different. I came from the communications industry, and and it just it seemed like a great idea and a great opportunity for uh, one of us in Rick and myself to take on the the family, the home environment, and um, things like daycare cost money, uh, babysitters cost money. All those things are just so expensive, and the opportunity for me to work from home with my wife uh, having a far superior job than mine um, creates the environment where we're actually able to, to do this kind of thing. Um, yeah. It's a labor of love, Richard. It's, it's not one of those things that I'm hoping I'm going to get rich at. So. I, well, I hear you. And uh, <laughs> to share my own personal, uh, my wife came to me uh, several months ago, knew that I was struggling trying to emotionally, uh, you know, when your passion is at odds with your career, and she came to me and she said, look, pursue your passion. I think we can you know, try to get by on her income. And so I'm in the same spot. I'm a stay-at-home dad. I am uh, giving as much of my time as I can. Like this is episode 103 or 104. I can't, I can't even remember what episode this is. Uh, as you pointed out, I've, I've been doing two a week for the last year. And it's like, wow, that's a lot. And It's incredible. <laughs> it's, it's a, a labor of love. I'm trying to uh, do my best to help and put into this community something that I love and appreciate. So I can completely relate to making a decision that on paper doesn't make sense, but in your heart, it's clearly what you want to be able to do. In the long run, we forecast the ceiling looking a lot higher, right? Well, but. That's, yes, we do. And when things start <laughs> off, we always get enthusiastic. But uh, you know, when you've got fans, this can be easily supported by a lot of the fans out there who believe in you. Right. So, Torben, thank you so much for taking a few minutes uh, to – you know, kind of talk about Upfront and Valley Games and uh, help people kind of understand some of the confusion that's out there. I certainly appreciate you taking the time and allowing me to ask some awkward and difficult questions. Well, thank you for having me. So if people want to go find it, it's Upfront. It's on Kickstarter. It's two words, U-P space front, Upfront, Valley Games. And uh, Torben, 
Sherwood, who is with Valley Games and Radiant Gaming now. That we understand that's the U.S. version of that. We appreciate uh, we appreciate him being on the show. Hopefully, you've heard something that has been inspiring or interesting or educational. And know it always is for me when I have great guests. Thank you for listening. Please continue to support Kickstarter and the and the board game projects that are out there and the passions of love that we see people putting up there. Thanks for listening. Take care.